You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Whores. This is episode 348. I know this is not tricky. Some of you may be celebrating. Some of you may be disappointed. Who's kid- Who am I kidding? You're not disappointed. It's me. It's Steve. Uh, how's it going? From NDS. Remember me? And some also from Trophy Whores. Uh, with me this week is Alex. How's it going, Alex? You know, I'm I'm doing really good, Stephen, because I'm not gonna have to listen to someone read entire articles to me while I, I, I listen to them talk. It's a, it's a special treat for everybody out there. Sounds uh, fired. A couple of other laughs and voices that you heard. We have uh, my NDS co-host uh, Andy. How are you doing, Andy? Um, I'm I'm doing good because we have the the tone has been set for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am ready to go. And that other voice you hear is Matt from Game Stuff. How are you doing, Matt? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm doing pretty good. So this is uh, the replacements plus one, I guess you could go. Repl- eh, I, I guess I'm a host of Trophy Horse. Tricky tries to keep telling me I'm a host of Trophy Horse, but I, I find my I find myself more and more being a fill-in uh, because of conflicts. But anyway, uh, this week's show we have a lot to talk about. Um, we have some absurd uh, costs to make AAA games. Uh, we're going to mourn the death of the Best Buy Gamers Club. Um, we have some. We have a bunch of stuff. NPD results were out today, so it's not on the dock, guys. But I, I do have an article up here, so we'll talk about that. But first, before we do any of that stuff, let's uh, get into the trophy count. Um, did I update this? Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, Tricky's level 35, 9,003 trophies with 89 platinums. Uh, yield is at 26, level 26. He's got 5151 on the trophy count. Nice. Area 51. What? Uh, he's got 79 platinums. Uh, I'm at level 14 with, uh, 1,843 with five platinums. Uh, Sid is level 31 with 7,030 trophies and 109 platinums. And, yeah, that's bananas. Yeah, bananas. And Daryl is uh, level 32 with 7,216 trophies and uh, 97 platinums. And Alex, do you have it in front of you or do you want me to read it? Oh, I got this. Do I it. got you, baby. Do it up. I'll feed you all. Uh, I'm level 30. I have 6,590 total trophies and 98 platinums in 97 games. Woo! Jesus. Uh, Andy, I'm not even going to bother asking. And Matt, I'm sure, I think the last time I heard you, you were at zero <laughs> platinums and like 37 trophies. Yeah, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a pretty number. I'm, I'm level 15 and I have a platinum. There you go. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm a level 13 and... That's that's uh that's about it. Okay, that's fine. Um, so you're not you're not going to get a lot of trophy talk on this episode, but that's okay. We leave that to Sid uh, for Sophie's trophy, so that's not a big deal. Um, all right. So real quickly, let's talk about what we're playing. I am going to start with my main man, Alex. What you been playing, bro? I've been going old school uh, ever since I beat finished Bloodborne and the Old Hunters DLC. I I bought, uh, alongside the Old Hunters DLC, I bought the Mega Man Legacy Collection in preparation for the Mega Man X Legacy Collection coming out in a few months. Yeah, you uh, did. Sometime in the summer. I think it's July. But I've I played the Mega Man games growing up, but I never beat a lot of them. So I just went back and I beat Mega Man 2. And oh, I yeah. I'm beating all six of the, the original games. 
I played a Mega Man 3 is my favorite, so I'm going to that one next. But uh, yeah, I've just been playing Mega Man 2, and I got one trophy for beating the entire game. Uh, a bronze, which seems kind of cheap for me because the Mega Man games are awesome. But uh, I, I don't know. I feel like right now I'm in the mood to, um, instead of buying new games like God of War, which is really going to piss Tricky off, uh, <laughs> just play old games. Hey, man, whatever gets you through the day. That's yeah. I, I'm not judging. Uh, Andy, I know that's what you've been playing all day today. You've even posted some video of you playing on your Facebook. How you've been being a, being a badass at it as well, yeah, you might are. I add. Yeah. You yeah. Are. Is that all you've been playing or you got anything else on the docket? No, that, that's correct. That's all of it. Good. This is Mega Man. Good. I'm up to uh, part five already. You're a, Jesus. You are a sick loser. Uh, Christ. Hold on. You've beaten the first four games, Andy? Yep. Today? Today, yes. Wow. They're not that difficult. No, I know, but like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like I did one and two during my lunch break. <laughs> That's uh, honestly impressive. He's got some, I, he's got I, some experience, guys. Yeah, apparently. I mean, like I do too, but I'm sitting here playing that too, and I'm struggling to beat like eight. Like I just played, I, I was like, I played, I've played one to six. Why don't I just play seven and eight? And I was like, I'll play eight first because fuck how things go in order because fuck that and so i played eight and i'm um, struggling with it because it's not like a standard Mega Man game they don't show you all eight robot masters it's very weird <laughs> see there's your mistake is you played seven and eight yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so it looks like the entire cast of characters except for me <laughs> is playing Mega Man, um and that is only because i uh, am poor and because i think i'm going to save my dollar bills for something coming out a little bit later in this week a little game uh, called Detroit Become Human. Yeah. Uh, but Ooh, yes. Very excited about that. But uh, I actually uh, wrote a review for Wizard of Legend on the Switch. Uh, you can check that out on ProvingGamer.com if you are interested in knowing about that game. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, it is a very difficult but very satisfying uh, action RPG. Uh, it's It's... Pixel art is beautiful. Um, definitely give it a go if you have a Switch. I know, Matt, you've been playing it. I know, Andy, you gave it a try. Um, yeah. Have you beat the first boss yet? I don't want to I don't wanna talk, I don't wanna talk about it. Let's go on have to the first it? news bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a total chump like some yeah. people. <laughs> Moving on, it costs an absolute shit ton of money to make Tomb Raider, apparently. So uh, this has come from Destructoid. Apparently, Shadow of the Tomb Raider reportedly cost over $100 million just to make, and they spent over $35 million on marketing this game. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's bizarre to me that anything on Earth costs that much to make, aside from, like, an aircraft carrier for the military. But... Um, is this, I want to raise a, a quick question to you guys. Um, obviously this isn't the only game that has a massive budget like this. Um, I'm sure over a hundred million dollars goes into a halo game. Um, those big blockbuster call of duties and whatnot. Is this a sustainable business model for gaming and not only gaming in general, but triple a gaming specifically. Um, and I will start with Andy. Yes and no. For specific games, I think this model does work. If you look at, you know, your Call of Duties, for example, the, they will make that up tenfold, you know, on, on day one. Because they have, they have, there's an audience for those games. 
for this kind of game, I'm not sure why. It's strange because the first Tomb Raider wasn't a big hit for Square Enix, and they the sales were, according to them, very paltry at best. So I'm not sure why they're investing so much more in this latest installment. According to them, I believe it was just over three million. Which is good. that's good sales figures, um, right? But not for a hundred million, hundred plus million dollar game. And we're not exactly. saying that that's that's what this game's budget was. Yes. Um, but the the other thing that they shot themselves in the foot with that game was releasing it on on Xbox first, which didn't ha- quite have the install base. Um, so you you have to assume that they made some money back in an exclusivity deal. So maybe you can offset a couple, you know, maybe ten million right, or so dollars. But, you but, know, not not every game has that that luxury you know right. and unless you're uh, a triple a multiplayer game like a call of duty or a battlefield it's hard to to justify this kind of price tag you know that this kind of investment for a game that may not give you a huge return right away right alex so yeah i mean this this is not god of war where it's gonna sell three plus million in three days um it, it it's baffling because you know, as Andy said, you know, um, Square Enix came out and said that Tomb Raider wasn't a financial success. So pouring out more money, that much money into it, essentially as much money you as you would put into like a movie. I mean, a movie you're going to get a higher return because most people, a bigger audience of people, will go to see movies than play video games, and then you cut that even down even more by making it a Tomb Raider game, and there's like a specific audience for that. I just don't know how they can expect to call this game a financial success when they'll never make that much money up on the sales of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you guys got a couple thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it, this case is like a really interesting look into something that we don't think about a lot with games in, in that, like, it's actually like a really high stakes kind of game trying to push any kind of IP into franchise status. Right. Even one that's already developed. And uh, I, I just don't see this going very well for Square Enix. Like, I, I don't know if they're just going to keep continually trying to reboot it and just like drowning money. But I can imagine that there's some board somewhere yelling at a game director about how terrible this is selling and then destroying whatever want to make art that game director has. Just to put things in perspective, a uh, blockbuster movie, um, Deadpool 1 costs $58 million to make. That's a five and an eight. Uh, and made uh, over just domestically over three hundred million dollars. Now Deadpool two costs one hundred and ten million dollars to make, so they doubled the budget effectively. Um, but it made one hundred and thirty eight million dollars in its first three days. So that just goes to show you, like the what goes into a video game seems to be a, a little bit more. I, I feel, in in my opinion, that the cost behind these games isn't necessarily the, th- the technology anymore. It's the scale of which you have to hire to meet the deadlines that the, tri- the AAA publishers are setting forth. Um, this is why you had three studios making Call of Duty games because that allowed them to have three years to make a game instead of two years to make a game. And that effectively means you don't have to hire an extra 150 people to make up all that you know, all that, those lost hours. Um, I think it's a, a systemic problem from the very top and it's, and I don't believe it's a studio problem. I believe it's a publisher problem, but that's just me. 
what what really gets me is like you think back and I talk about Dead Space a lot, but Dead Space was a commercial or is a critical success and not a commercial success. And you look at this kind of situation and you look at games like that, and I think that like Epic Miss Mickey also had a really massive budget and the game was considered a failure because it didn't sell as well as they wanted to. Right. Like Didn't they still make a part two of that? They did still make a part two yeah. of that, and they obviously made a part two and a part three of Dead Space, but it's like Visceral just got shut down. And a lot of companies like EA Activision have had to close studios, many studios, over like over the course of the years because their games didn't land. They didn't make meet the money they goals that they wanted them to. And for them to spend this much money on a game franchise, which, you know, it's done well for them. It, it's brought a lot of respect back to Tomb Raider, but isn't lighting up the sales charts or at least what they want them to. It's foolish to spend this much money on the game because you can clearly make a really good Tomb Raider game for less. Yeah, uh, that's right. I, that's exactly it. I th- and I think I, I don't know the budget for you know Uncharted or The Last of Us or whatever, um, but I imagine it's not a hundred million dollars. That would just be my my guess. I, I would yeah. put probably around sixty. I would say, but you know, I'm not. I don't. Have I think any that's. Information. I think that's what really blows my mind about this specifically is like that. Like, it, it, is a Tomb Raider game really, it takes $200 million to make a Tomb Raider game? <laughs> That's insane to me. Like, I, I, I don't know. It just seems way blown out of proportion. And, like, maybe somewhere somewhere along the line, they're, uh, they're, they're like, wasting some kind of uh, talent and or resources somewhere outside of the game itself. It, it just doesn't seem like it should take that much to make that game. Well, I want to step back, and I, I'm glad we brought up, like, blockbuster movies as, as an example here, because... You know, we have to remember what what's funding this game. Like studios, for example, back in the day, they would create or or produce a bunch of small time movies that they would get modest returns to fund other projects. Nowadays, they bank on one film being a blockbuster epic for like a billion dollars domestic um, theater ticket sales and that's going to fund everything else so i think in this case square enix has had they posted some some good revenue last year with the likes of um final fantasy 15 uh their uh 14 and near automata so all of that all those profits are being now pumped into it it would seem so at least in, in my opinion into this new tomb raider game so that's at least allowed them to put more into this latest title but if it's worth it that's a whole other debate i feel yep um yeah i think it's all a matter of 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 time will tell if tomb raider can sell another three million copies again four million copies it's going to make its money and and the cycle will continue you know what else is going to cost a little bit more money buying games at best buy that's right ladies and gentlemen r.i.p best buy gamers club unlocked uh, I thought this was as dead as Circuit City. <laughs> never, never even used it once. <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, I used it, but I used uh, Nintendo Dual Screen Superfan Zach's uh, Gamer Club unlocked. <laughs> so, <laughs> way to leverage the the listener base there. Yeah, you're the reason they're stopping it, man. You're stealing other people's rewards. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you guys uh, to get a little locked off, off topic here. Aren't they bringing back Circuit City like in an online only format? Yeah. Oh, that I, can't I, be I, real. Is that I, true? Bringing it back. 
I hope uh, to, I hope to hell not. So anyway, I, I've heard they are, yeah, uh, yeah. That that that's for a different podcast. Um, I don't that that's that's for the why podcast. That's just the name of the podcast. It's just W H Y Y. Um, and we'll mention the Virgin Megastore and right. nobody beats the Wiz and all and you know F F Y I. Oh, oh yeah, FYI, Hollywood Y-E. Video, Blockbuster, yeah. FYE, FYE, not FYI. Yes. <laughs> See, that's why they closed. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there was a, a bunch of Best Buy employees were were saying that they were told not to sell Gamer Club, Gamers Club Unlocked anymore. Uh, somebody posted a an email that was uh, internal. Basically, it just says, for a variety of reasons, we have decided that Gamers Club programs will not be accepting new members. This includes both free Gamers Club members and the Gamer Club Unlocked. Current members will continue to receive their benefits until it expires. Um, and they're encouraging giving a $10 reward certificate when you pre-order hot games as a way to offset it. Um, the system went down online. You can no longer do it. And the SKU does not work in stores. And, uh, I wrote a little thing about this on proving gamer. If you want to read more about that, you can do so. So RIP saving money on games. Uh, congratulations, Amazon. You, uh, buried another one. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, you have any thoughts on this thing? just that it seems like everyone blames Amazon for everything these days. (laughs) Uh, Being that I work for Whole Foods, literally people will get pissed off every day that we don't have something and they will blame Amazon. Well, Everything is Amazon's fault now because apparently Amazon owns the United States of America. They're pretty damn close to it. Um, So yeah, there's not much to say about about this except, you know, you're no longer going to get games for $48. You're going to have to pay 60 again. So RIP, pour one out for your homies. I will say, though, that it is nice that Sony is doing, like, sales every week. For the longest time, I complained that Sony, and a lot of people, complained that Sony needed to be more like Steam and have more sales. And now they kind of have met that. They have sales every week. So it's generally pretty easy to find something to buy cheap every week. I I agree wholeheartedly. It's really just for the new games. It was nice when... Because you know a Best Buy is going to carry a ton of a new game. Like you're not going, there's not going to be a shortage. Even at yeah. GameStop, there's shortages. Like, oh no, I'm sorry, we have pre-orders here. I, I don't pre-order. Pre-ordering stupid. Um, but you know, I would be able to go to Best Buy, put in uh, Superfan Zach's phone number, and <laughs> get twenty percent off the damn game. So what, what do I care? All right, moving along here. Um, so. On the Sony, uh, on the uh, PlayStation blog, they unveiled these incredible uh, performance controllers uh, for PS4. Um, you got, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the, the link is in the doc if you want to take a look. But these bad yeah. boys have all sorts of flippers on the back. There's extra buttons everywhere. Um, yeah, what? Are you doing a hype zone on this podcast? No, I'm yeah, not. You need, to, you need to settle down. I think you need to settle down a little <laughs> this bit. Is, uh... So just a couple of things you got. Uh, well, th- here's the thing. The gamer community has been dying for a pro-like controller for PlayStation. Um, yeah. For some reason, gamers like the offset sticks. Um, I'm not one of them. And that's mostly, that's not really because of the sticks. It's because of the D-pad. I just don't like the D-pad being that close to the center. Um, yeah. But whatever. It's just what I'm used to. So it has uh, side-mounted right and left sax buttons, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, that's the uh, so it just your fingers lay right on it. Uh, removable faceplate, so you could change thumbsticks easily. 
Uh, it's got audio uh, enhanced audio control for wired connection. It comes in two models. I'm going to just skip ahead to the f- juicy part. Um, a wired version is going to cost you $170, and a wireless version is going to cost you $200. You know what kills me about this thing is like, it looks like it's like partially modular and then they just didn't want to go the extra step to make it so that you could switch where your D pad and uh, your thumbstick was. Mm. Mm, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a, too expensive for my taste. Yeah. There, there's no, the way I no, I don't know. That's not necessary for me. Um, not, I don't think any of us are pro gamers, but uh, does, does this excite anybody? Andy, does this excite you? Um, does I'm it, just stuck on the name of the, of the uh, developer here, Scuff. Scuff. That like, that's like a gay yeah. dating app, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't know. I would not I mean, know. It's got, they got built-in sax buttons, Steven. They I mean, do. They do. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it all yeah, just yeah, kind of lines yeah. up for me. You hop, on, you hop on the Scuff and you get the sax. Hop on the Scuff, yeah. You swipe right. <laughs> swipe Lord. right for sax. <laughs> Boy, I, I'm glad I have you two fools on this thing. Uh, Alex, do you, are you interested in this thing? Probably. I, I, if I was to take a guess, I would say absolutely not. But I might as well ask. You, you already, you already know me so well. <laughs> Just the standard controller is nice enough for me, so I don't need to mess around with this. Two hundred dollars. Why am I going to spend two hundred dollars on a controller? Yeah, two hundred dollars not only on a controller, but a controller that is going to be obsolete in like two years because yeah, uh, our topic of the week, mm-hmm. which uh, we're I'm going to allude to, apparently Sony PlayStation Four is in its final stages of its life cycle. So that's a little preview. But before we get into that and what's hot in gaming, let's kick it over to Sid for Sophie's trophies. Hey guys, how are we all? Welcome back to Sophie's Trophies, um, episode 38. Now, this week I'm going to carry on with the Dark Souls trophies. Um, Specifically Dark Souls 2. This is the Scholar of the First Sin edition um, on the PS4. Now, I know I did the Dark Lurker trophy a while back, so I will miss that trophy out. And hopefully, all being well, I will get hold of dark souls remastered next week and we'll do that one so let's start with the usual which is the platinum trophy which is called the dark soul and that is obviously acquire all trophies this is a 4.2 percent ultra rare trophy um so relatively difficult um but a few people have it now the first trophy you get in the game is self-recollection reclaim for beg your pardon Reclaim Flesh and Set Out as an Undead. This is a very common trophy, 96.2%. All you have to do for this one, guys, is choose your character and your look, and that is it. Okay. The next one is King's Ring. Acquire the King's Ring. Now, this one is a 38.7% silver. It is a rare trophy, and as you play through the game, you will get hold of the King's Ring. This allows you to open certain doors later on in the game and the next one ancient dragon acquire ashen mist heart again a rare trophy 36.9 percent as you play the game you will get to meet the ancient dragon who will give you the ashen mist heart Um, when i first got up there i thought i would have to fight it but luckily it is optional if you want to fight it or not Um, the air 
that is the ending trophy that is see the ending which is a 31.1 percent rare trophy now unlike other dark souls i think there is only one um, ending trophy in dark souls 2. Um, so next one is a boss and i will talk about the bosses because uh, dark souls 2 is a bit older than uh, 3 so um, a bit more time has elapsed so this one is the last giant and it is defeat the last giant it's a very common trophy a 67.4 percent common trophy and the last giant is probably the easiest boss in the game all you've got to do is stay by its feet and hit its legs so quite a simple one um, compared to some of the others um, sinner's bonfire like the primal bonfire in sinner's rise now the primal bonfires there are four of these and you need to light all four before you can carry on towards the end game. Um, they are the Sinner's Bonfire, the Iron Keep Bonfire, the Gulch Bonfire, and the Brightstone Bonfire. Um, now, these are all boss-related bonfires. Um, they are situated in the boss room after you finish the boss. So, Sinner's Rise, you have to fight the Sinner. Um, she's pretty good boss, guys. Um, but you can actually make it because the lock-on in this game oh best way to put this if the room is dark guys you cannot lock on to the sinner if she moves too far away from you um, but you can go around the side of the room before you enter it and light the torches on fire so the whole room is lit up it does make it a lot easier the iron keep bonfire um, the iron keep boss is a very old school boss it's a big uh, demon that comes up from the lava and fires a laser at you basically you've got to hit its hand when it gets its hand close um, it's a pretty good boss guys it's not too bad the gulch bonfire that is uh, the uh, black gulch area and you have to fight I think it's the rotten I could be wrong but I do believe it, the boss is called the rotten it is a big pile of whatever it is um, does massive sweeping attacks with its uh, blade um, I, I find that one quite difficult guys I usually summon in for that one and the Brightstone Bonfire um, that is Brightstone Cove Seldora and that is where you're fighting a giant spider um, I can't remember the name of the spider it's been a while since I've played this guys but um, she is a bit of a bitch of a boss as well she's got a laser attack that can uh, take you out in one hit if you are unprepared so all of those trophies guys those four the Sinner's Bonfire is a 52.3% common trophy, and the rest of them are 44%, um, apart from the Black Gulch Bonfire, which is 43 and they are all silvers. Now, as I said, I haven't got the uh, trophy for beating the Dark Lurker. Um, I'm also missing the trophy for beating King Vendrick. Um, so... I'll get that one day guys, but that is a 23.6% rare trophy. He is found in the catacombs area, um, right in a back room. He does some serious damage. Um, Looking Glass Knight, defeat Looking Glass Knight. That is a 40.9% rare trophy. Now that's a good boss guys. When he puts his shield down, some uh, it's like a mirror on the shield. And enemies come out of that, so you have to take them out at the same time. Um, not a bad boss at all. Okay, an easy enough one here. Supreme Weapon, reinforce a weapon to its limit. That is a 42.4% silver trophy. Now, this um, 
is getting your weapon up to plus 10 and you may have to farm for some items to do it. Gesture Maestro, learn all gestures. As I said last time guys, gestures are used mainly in multiplayer to say hi to players or to indicate something. Uh, Master of Sorcery, learn all sorceries. Uh, Master of Miracles, learn all miracles. Master of Pyromancy, learn all pyromancies. And Master of Hexes, learn all hexes. These are all in the 4.5 to 5.1% uh, rarity trophies. Uh, I've not done any of those guys yet because there are a couple of little ones that I am still missing. But I will say in the Scholar of the First Sin edition, um, you have to get these spells from the DLC as well. So there is actually more to do than the original PS3 release. Um, again, we have the Covenant trophies. There are a few Covenants. I'm not going to go through them all because there are quite a few. Um, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 9 Covenants, guys. Um, I've got them all. They're not too bad to find. A change of clothes. Give Rosebeth of Melfia something to wear. This is a very common trophy, guys. 51.0% rarity. Uh, you will meet this character and she will ask you to give her some clothes. So give her one of each item that you have. Uh, there are four items in total, and uh, you will get that trophy. It doesn't matter what they are, just as long as you give her clothes. Gathering of Exiles. Increase the population of Medulla. Now, Medulla in this game, guys, is uh, basically this game's Firelink Shrine. Um, it is a very gorgeous-looking area, I have to say, and the music is really, really good. Um, and it will be pretty much your base of operations. As you meet characters, um, they will go towards Medulla. Um, and once you have everyone in there, you will get this trophy. It is a 19.3% silver. Moonlight Greatsword, guys. Inherit Benhart of Jugo's equipment. Um, this is one of the... Um, God, what are they called, guys? Um, quests. Sorry, this is one of the quests. It is very rare, 9.8% uh, silver trophy. Um, and you have to meet him at certain points during the game. If you want to do this, guys, I would advise looking up on a guide. Um, holder of the Fort, inherit Captain Drummond's equipment. Again, it is a quest uh, to do. And it is a 21.5% silver. Again, look it up. Um, that's the only advice I can give you, really. Um, Lucatil, inherit equipment from Lucatil of Mira. That is a 12.9% very rare trophy, so again, look that one up, guys, if you are going for that. Um, so, there are a couple more of those quests, but uh, I'm not going to bore you with them all. Okay, and the last trophy I'm going to talk about with this one is This is Dark Souls. Die for the first time, and that is a 94.9% common trophy. I'm not quite sure how it's only a 94.9% because I would expect everybody to die in Dark Souls 2. Um, but that's it for this one, guys. Um, I have to say, Dark Souls 2 is not as good as Dark Souls 1, um, story-wise. The gameplay is still very good, though. Um, I did find it quite difficult the first time I played it. Um, I found it harder than Dark Souls at the beginning for some reason. Um, I'm not too sure why. But, you know, once you've played it for a few hours, then um, as with any Souls game or Bloodborne or anything like that, it will become a lot easier over time as you uh, get used to the rules and uh, 
upgrade your character. So yeah, that's Dark Souls 2 guys. Very well worth playing I think. Or very much worth playing. So yeah, as always guys, Sidders1978 on the PSN, at Sydney on Twitter, or through the Trophy Whores Facebook group, or Sid at Proving Gamer on the email. And uh, yeah, Dark Souls 2 guys, um, recommended, definitely recommended. So uh, that's it guys, I will talk to you next week and keep getting those trophies. Oh, look at that. We're back. Thank you very much, Sid, for your delicious Sophie's Trophies audio. Your dulcet tones uh, put put me in an instant calm. Um, it's very good for listening to after going after some Valkyries and, and God of War. Moving on. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> guess what, man? It's time for What's Hot in Gaming. All right, so yeah, you mentioned one of them earlier, Stephen, one of the games I'm going to talk about. Yes, indeed. And that is Detroit Become Human. Uh, that comes out this week. Um, I'm assuming it's on it's on Tuesday, so by the time you hear this, actually, it would have been today. I right? believe it's Friday the 25th, Friday. I think, is when it's coming out. They no longer release games on Tuesday, do they? <laughs> they vary. It's Tuesday, Friday, I don't know. Switch is, say, is Tuesday and Thursdays, I think. I was going to say, you can, you can tell how... Uh, how much I uh, pay attention to new game releases. Like I said, I'm playing fucking Mega Man right now that I bought digitally, so that'll, that'll tell you something right there. But, you know, I, I played Heavy Rain, I've played Beyond Two Souls, and I I don't know, like, I really enjoyed both games to a point. I mean, I really, really enjoyed Beyond Two Souls. I will defend that game to no end. Not so much Heavy Rain. But I really just can't get into, two, into uh, Detroit Become Human. Like, I haven't bought into the hype. Uh, Guys, are any one of you like hyped up for this game? Are are you all going to buy it? I mean, Steven said he was going to buy it. Well, I'm buying it. I mean, I I played the demo extensively. Um, I I I enjoy the idea of playing as three distinct characters with with entirely different storylines and backgrounds and motivations. I want to see how that's all going to come together. Plus, David Cage is um his writing is uh sort of bashed insane. So I want to see where that goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how off the rails can this go this time around? Cause he had me since the, the days of Indigo prophecy that that game was just banana shit. Crazy. So I just <laughs> want to see how, how this handles, like where, how this all plays out. Um, I admit that a lot of the marketing has been tapping the, the emotional vein, like, oh, little, little girl in peril. I, I, it's, it's a cheap move, but um, I think the heart's in the right place overall. I just want to see how this whole thing plays out for me. I mean, I'm not, like, super, like, hype about it, but I do. And I, I didn't like Beyond Two Souls, for the record. Just saying that right now. Sorry, Alex. Was it Was it the ending? Was it just the entire game? I think it was just the pacing and and the writing in general just didn't sit right with me. I don't know. But then again, it's it's just David Cage's like his style of writing, I guess, which I should have been used to, you know, but whatever. But uh I I think this will be a lot better than Beyond Two Souls. So that's why I'm I'm a little more excited about this one. Matt? Yeah, I mean it it looks interesting. It's not gonna be like a day one purchase for me, but uh I like sci-fi i enjoy androids and stories are fun so uh i'm totally down to kind of explore this world that david cage created he's kind of like the tarantino of the video game world 
yeah. just off the wall and a little bit scary. You're going to regret saying that one day. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, Alex, what else is on what's hot in gaming? So we actually have a leak prior to E3 of a rather big sequel coming out. And I really didn't think that this was... I never thought this game would get a sequel. I played the first one. Bethesda has confirmed that Rage 2 will be coming out. Um, we got the first trailer drop. Uh, we got, I saw, I watched it on uh, Destructoid. And like I said, I played the first Rage, and while I, I had fun with the game while I played it, it's one of those games where you get through it, and I didn't really have anything particularly memorable from it, except for maybe visiting the garage or my, my, my safe my safe house, um, which is a weird thing to remember. But, yeah, I mean, Rage was a fun game, but nothing really stands out too much from it because, I mean, for me, like, the whole apocalyptic wasteland thing was a little bit overdone even back then. Although you got the kind of cool aspect from from Rage where it's, it's an apocalyptic, apocalyptic wasteland. It's become like The Hills Have Eyes or like Wrong Turn, uh, the horror movie which came out within the last 10 15 years, uh, where you basically just have these mutilated monsters or mutilated people just running around and wreaking havoc. Um, so, I mean, that did add something interesting to the game. But, I mean, guys, let me ask you, are you excited for Rage 2? And, like, how do you feel about Apocalyptic Wasteland since it feels like things, games like Fallout kind of played that to the bone? I personally did not play Rage. Uh, I, I skipped that one. I probably skipped this. Um just doesn't seem like it's up my alley really uh but the the aesthetic doesn't bother me i like the high octane uh type gaming but it's not really necessarily for me andy yeah um i did play rage rage one i feel like this game should just be called rage because that was a glorified tech demo the original rage right that's what i felt when i first played it very forgettable i agree with alex 100 percent. it was um it was uh, more of a chore to get through than anything else, and it just didn't. I don't know. I didn't like really jive with me as a as a memorable experience. Now uh, onto the second part of his question. Um, yeah, I'll just go play Mad Max or something. Right. You know, like a post public war zone, or like you know, we have Days Gone coming out soon, or The Last of Us Two for this kind of like similar scenarios. But yeah, um, I'm kind of over it. I think I'll, this is a, like a hard pass for me, honestly. Uh, Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually pretty into this, sir, from what I've seen of it. Uh, I think it looks kind of like a badass version of Borderlands so far. Like, there's, like, big-ass monsters to take down and stuff. Um, it, it, the trailer looked awesome. Uh, I know that Rage, the original, was also known for, like, its vehicle sections, and so I would really, really like to get... Uh, a handle on if they're kind of bringing that back in the second one. Um, I like action-based first-person shooter, so uh, I'm into it. I'll, I'll probably wait and to see more of it, but Bethesda tends to back things that are pretty great, and uh, I trust their vision, so hopefully it ends up being pretty good. All right, uh, so that does it with uh, What's Hot in Gaming. Uh, that is going to bring us to our topic of the week, which is a very interesting uh, little write-up. Um Apparently, Sony had their corporate strategy meeting um, where a ton was laid out uh, for about Sony's uh, plans going forward. Um, so there, there are a few bits and pieces here. 
Um, I apologize for the noise you may be hearing. I don't know whose mic it's coming out of, but if one of you do kn- does know oh, that, just mute. Well, mute. we all know now, Stephen. Just it's mute. in the group chat. Just mute, mute, mute your mics. You can just take a peek. Who is it? <laughs> all right, just Matt. Matt's cats are running wild in his I, in his house right now. So Matt, mute your mic. Uh, just I, I mur- they're they're dead now, guys. You killed I them. Think they're they both dead. Wind of- they caught one of this awesome, awesome thing we're going to talk about, and that's Sony's plans for the future. They are yeah, they excited. They keeled over. <laughs> yeah, they keeled over and they died. Um, all right, so just a couple of bullet points here. Um, one of the things that's extremely interesting about this article um, is that their PS4 users in twenty seven fiscal twenty seventeen PS4 users clocked more than eight hundred million hours of gameplay per week, which is Jeez, absurd. Great. Uh, which I feel bad for us as as a race. Um, what else? Wait, there was a couple other things here. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry. Okay, so the presentation ended with mentioning that uh, the PlayStation Four is entering its final. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A final phase, phase of its life cycle. Sorry, I couldn't find the word there, um, and I also couldn't find the part that I highlighted. Uh, so since PS4 is now entering the final phase of its life cycle, uh, which could cause unit sales to gradually decline, recurring revenues from subscription services like PlayStation Plus can migrate and affect the play- f- platform's life cycle, stabilizing profit structure. So that's just jargon for it'll be just fine. So knowing that the PlayStation 4 is now entering its final stages of life and coming off of on the heels coming off of the news that um playstation 4 outsold the switch and the xbox one x or one s or one family combined uh in april uh showing no signs of slowing down and with god of war being the number one uh game of april and it was only out for what 11 days in april with all of that information do you guys see the the PlayStation 4 now slowing down from here, like this article suggests, or do you think that this will continue to uh, rise? And I will start with Alex. You know, I, I want to believe that it's going to continue to rise, but as more and more people learn that it's coming to the end of its life cycle, like people who have been holding off and waiting until, you know, a bunch of games came out, or the price was at the point they wanted, I feel like they'll just hold off until the PlayStation 5. I mean, anytime you announce that your console is coming to the end of its life cycle or that you're you're creating a new console, you're going to shorten the lifespan of the current console that you have, which would be the PlayStation 4. I mean, I don't, I don't think this helps. I mean, if they get it to a lower price point, I mean, and they keep releasing games, that's the key is that if they keep releasing games, really good games, then it can still grow. But if you're re- if you you know if you say well we have two more years where we're going to make really good games for this and we're going to move on to another console, it's going to scare some people away. So unless they keep making games like God of War or you know The Last of Us Part Two, then you're going to run into a lot of issues where people are just kind of going to abandon the system and maybe play the games in the backlog or play the games they've already you know got. Um. Yeah. So. It's just interesting to note that I think it's obvious that this is the the end of the of the cycle just based on history. Uh, PS One 
debuted in 1994. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, PS2 was 2000, so that's six years. Uh, PS3 was 2006, another six years. And then PS4 was 2013, uh, which was seven years. And now we're at five years. So it, it kind of makes sense that they're going to put out the, the, the last bunch of games in this next year and a half uh, before they are most likely going to reveal the PlayStation 5 or whatever their plans are. Who knows? We It could be another half step. It could be... We don't know. Um, but it looks... There, is, there it, is one kind of thing that I would bring up that mm-hmm. would kind of like go against that train of thought. I mean, yeah. I mean, in the traditional console cycle, you're right. It is kind of at the time where we would see production ramp up on a, a new console. But... If there were ever a time for a console or a generation of consoles to break that mold, it's this one because that cycle, like from you know the NES, the Super Nintendo to the Nintendo sixty four to the GameCube, that was all like where you were having large graphical leaps. We're getting to the point where graphics are no longer the main driving factor behind games and why they put out new consoles. Now it's about like functionality and what you can do with a console as as opposed to what you see when you turn on a console. So. With that in mind, I feel like this is a generation that could extend beyond what the typical generation would be because we've kind of gotten to, at least for now, the the max like or the, the best quality that we can have for for a lot of people to actually be able to visually see as um just when they're when they're playing a game. Mm. Because I mean you can see a clear jump from the SNES to the Nintendo sixty four. But we're getting to it now where the jump is not that clear and, you know, everything still looks good. It may look better, but it's not as defined or it's not as big of a jump as it was before. Gotcha. Andy, what are your thoughts? So first off, I want to say I find it funny how we have mention of sales declining on the same day we confirmed that Sony outsells its competitors combined (laughs) for the month of April. Also... This was, and th- this was also part of the NPD report. Let me just, uh, I want to find, uh, hold on. It was also the best month for a console ever since uh, the Wii in 2009. Oh boy. All right, so there's that to add to the pile as well. Right. Yeah. So all that information we have, um, the way I, I, I view things is take any... um. Take any good Kickstarter campaign, for example. There's always going to be a lull at some point. But then as as you get towards the end of the campaign, there's a huge jump at the very end. And I feel we can somehow equate that to the PS4. Because um, I feel with what's on the horizon, we have Death Stranding, Spider-Man, Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, Dreams, and whatever the hell else Sony is hiding uh, behind the curtain. Which, they, which, on it, which on that, a part of the, the yes. other, the call that they had, they did mention that they have two new IPs that are still yes. yet to be. Re- so there's that. There's also, they mentioned how they want to revive some of their dormant IPs as well. So we got that going for us. And I really feel that this is going to be, we're not at the peak just yet. We're gonna. It's gonna be. We're gonna soar even beyond what we have now, and then maybe I would say 
2020 around there, we'll, we might see a dip. But there's just so much to look forward to. And it's really going to ramp up for sales because look what God of War did. I mean, every game can't be of that quality and caliber of, of perfection of a title. But Sony has now established itself as a storyteller and uh, a developer of quality entertainment. And I think with God of War being out and Detroit on the horizon, we're going to see sales grow and grow consistently for a very long time. I, I think before I kick it to Matt to, to comment on that, I, I think that the third parties, not the single party uh, first parties, but the third parties will dictate whether or not this generation needs to move forward because they're always going to look for the ne- the best place to show off their best product um, eventually, not right away. Obviously, they're going to want the money first. They're going to want the install base first. But you do see it where, oh, PS3, great. That's wonderful. But 360 looks better. It runs better. And it's easier to build for. So we're going to build for that. And then in this generation, it was the opposite way. So if Xbox... Can, continues to grow or they iterate first or whatever it may be you may see sony get forced to move forward maybe a little quicker than they than they want which leads me to believe that they're at least doing some sort of r&d or at least have some sort of um specs to work off of um for third-party developers and some of the first-party developers that are have just either just recently put out a game or are putting out a game very shortly uh matt what are your thoughts uh I think that uh, this is something that people cut wind of that maybe we hadn't heard in previous generations uh, from like a sales call or like a, a board call. And I think the verbiage is making us all more scared than we should be. I think it's saying the PS4 is entering its last phase uh, is 100% true. I mean, I think within the next four years, we're all going to be moving on from this anyway. Um, whether that's a iteration of like a pro or uh, the whole next jump, uh, I, I think is kind of yet to be seen. I, I agree with Alex in that, like uh, we're kind of at a point where graphics aren't going to be the thing that pushes the next generation. It's going to be something different because we're at the point that games just look incredible. Like we, we got the, mid uh generation upgrade with the xbox one x and the ps4 pro and if you tell me that a game is going to be able to look better than god of war looks on a ps4 pro on a 4k tv i i can't even imagine what that looks like it's going to be like photorealistic so i i don't even know where we step from here so i think that people are more scared of what this said than what it actually is uh i don't think we're as close to the end of the life of the PS4 as we are. I think we are though entering its final stages of the cycle. Like, so three or four more years easy. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I disagree with, with that. I, I think we're, I think we're, what's, what is most likely going to happen um, based on historical data and based on the way things are going, especially with switch chipping away Nintendo, just chipping away at that, at that mind share and, you know, Xbox's, um, foothold, although it is good in a vacuum for them, uh, they're still selling consoles at a, at a pretty good clip, but they're f- way far behind everybody else's pace. Um, I, I what scares me about it is that PC games are always going to be superior in the way that they run and look. It's only going to get 
bigger and, and more competitive on that front. And consoles tend to panic a little bit with that. Um, not necessarily all the time, but like that's what gave us the cell processor was to get developers to develop for something that was unique to consoles in hopes and hoping of like unlocking this like amazing potential. Of course we didn't get that, but um, I think 2020 will be the last year of new games for the PlayStation four and well, new, new games exclusive to PlayStation four. I think in 2021, you're going to get death stranding on PS4 and PS5. Um, kind of like a last of us situation. Um, and I, and I think they'll go from there. Uh, Alex, you have any other thoughts? Actually, I was going to pipe up there. So you, you read my mind, Steven. Mm. Uh, I think that, I mean, we mentioned, I cannot remember who it was. It might've been Steven who mentioned that third party developers are really going to decide when the, yes, that was me. Generation happens. I feel like the, the Sony's dominance during this generation shows that the first parties are now like the kind of like the most important factor when it comes to games. I mean, yes, they, they hold exclusive, so that's kind of always been true. But you look at how well the Switch has been doing and how well or how much more the PS4 has been selling outside of Xbox. And like the key to their success as opposed to Xbox is that you have far more like quality first party, first party content on the Switch and on the PS4 than you do on the Xbox One. Because Microsoft, while they have the great online infrastructure that drew in and the ease of development that drew in a lot of third-party developers for the Xbox One, they uh, or the Xbox 360, I'm sorry, they don't have the stable of first-party developers that Sony and Nintendo have. And I feel like that's played an important part, like important role as like, people lose interest in what EA is doing and in what Activision is doing. You know, I just feel like people are more interested in what the first party studios are doing as opposed to the third parties. Yeah. I mean, also to that too, Alex, look at the PS3, for example. I mean, that was lagging behind the 360 until the last of us and all those great games for the first party came out and it just overtook the sales entirely. So I think the, the, the first party is what's dictating this console cycle this time around. Yeah, and yet when they were when they had that momentum and they were, they finally did surpass 360. They came out with the PS4 ahead of the Xbox One. So they was still they still moved forward even though they were still steadily rising and had just finally eclipsed uh, their competition. Um. Which I think is like less than three hundred thousand consoles at this point, or something like that. But, yeah, right. but to be I, it turned out to be a good decision because look where they are now with the PS4. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And what I'm saying is maybe they want to continue that uh, going forward so that nobody else can get the leg up on them. Um, you know, they they've done crazier things. Uh, I, I personally would rather have the Vita two first before I I have a PS5. Um, you poor, poor man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know, man. With how well the Switch is doing, I really could see there being some weird iterative step by either Microsoft or Sony in that kind of a space. Oh, boy. Neither one should try that. Just I'm, don't. I'm just saying, man. I could totally see it. it I, I could see it happening. If I could take God of War with me <laughs> on a Nintendo Switch... Are you telling me I wouldn't take that on vacations with but me? I, I, okay. I, I, would, I wouldn't because that's a hazard and it would probably explode. Investing 
hundred plus million dollars in Tomb Raider is one thing, but a Vita two that sounds like a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, I mean, after, after you fail to support the Vita and the PSP, you can only fool so many times. <laughs> this is horrifyingly accurate. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, I can take Zelda with me wherever I go, and that was the problem with those systems, right? Was it wasn't a it wasn't a home to portable system. And I think that's the novel thing that Nintendo did, obviously. And I could see people trying to emulate that. It's a natural evolution of, Correct. of console gaming is to, I mean, they, everyone's trying it in their own right. I mean, remote play in its own weird way. You could use your phone and remote play with a DualShock 4. Right. Um, so you kind of can do that, but obviously you need a internet connection. But everyone, all of these companies recognize that playing anywhere is important. Um, just Nintendo was able to figure it out um, first, not just first, but the best way of doing it. Right. Um, but they obviously sacrificed graphical fidelity and the types of games that can actually run on the system. Um, any final thoughts on the topic before we get into housekeeping? All right. Good. Excellent. This is excellent. All right, so let's move on to housekeeping. Let's clean yeah. this shit up. There it is. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Uh, remember, uh, Proving Gamer is always hiring. Um, so if you would like to be a part of the Proving Gamer team, whether that be uh, writing, which is specifically what we're looking for, uh, if you want to, uh, if you're a podcaster, or an editor, or whatever, uh, go to provinggamer.com and click on the Help Wanted tab and fill out an application. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, if you want to be a part of our little show here, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, at Proving Gamer. You could you know tweet at us. Maybe we'll answer. I don't know. Uh, you can email us at trophyhorseatprovinggamer.com or you can call into us at 330-PROVEN-9. That's 330-776-8369. Uh, remember, Proving Gamer has a few other shows on the pod- on the uh, network. Uh, we have PG Spoilers, which we were supposed to do a God of War spoiler, but everybody that says they will do it won't do it. So hopefully that happens soon. Uh, we have Game Stuff, which is a uh, uh, podcast that Matt is one of the hosts of. Um, it's a general games discussion podcast. What's what's hot in gaming? What's old in gaming? Just the game. Yeah, we we talk about all kinds of random BS. It's great. Yep. Uh, it's 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 good if you want to just hang out with some friends and talk about the gaming industry as, as a whole. Uh, Andy and I are the hosts of Nintendo Dual Screens, uh, which posts each and every Monday at eight a.m. Uh, you can find them where you find any podcast uh, that includes. Um, what do you call it there? Uh, 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 Spotify and iHeartRadio uh, dual screens. That's Nintendo dual screens. And this show that you're listening to right now, Trophy Horse. Um, we do have some PlayStation 4 communities. If you want to hang out with us on PS4, we have the Proving Gamer community. We have the uh, Trophy Horse community, which is called the T-Dubs Brothel, because Shuhei Yoshida won't let us say whores on the network. Uh, and, and then you could also join Yield's uh, group, the Platinum Guild, and post your Platinum trophies on there. Um, before we get into our final uh, little goodbyes, uh, we do have a couple of sponsors and partnerships we want to mention. Uh, the first one is Amazon. Uh, if you do your shopping on Amazon, like 98% of the country, uh, go to provinggamer.com and click on an Amazon.com ad and do your shopping like normal. It gives a little kickback to the site, keep, helps keep the lights on and the servers running, and these shows uh, have a place to live uh, because of that. Um, you could support us on Patreon, going to patreon.com slash 
proven gamer uh, to support as little as a dollar uh, helps go a long way. Um, we're also partners with, uh, extra, oh wait, hold on. Before I move on from Amazon, if you have Amazon prime, that means you have a Twitch prime subscription, which you can use on twitch.tv slash proving gamer and help our streamers, uh, buy some cool stuff and new games and, and keep up with the times. Uh, yes, our partners are extra life, which is a charity organization dedicated to raising money for the children's miracle network of hospitals to which we have a team. You can go to provinggamer.com, click on the uh, extra life banner and donate to our team. If you want to help heal sick kids, you could also start your own team. If, if that's more your speed, um, we're also partners with humble bundle. Um, if you use our humble bundle link, which we provide on, uh, the podcast description and you buy any games on there at a drastically reduced rate um that uh the proceeds will go to our extra life charity uh, as well um and that brings us to our shout outs alex start us off with our shout outs alex has stepped away briefly alex is dead all right we're going to matt <laughs> uh, i am not looking at, at the chat so Steven, i do not illiterate <laughs> I am a known illiterate. Okay, sorry. Uh, Matt, why don't you start us off? Uh, shout out to Game Stuff crew, uh, Kalai and Roberto. Uh, really enjoyed being part of that show. You did a hell of a fast show tonight, let me tell you. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> we tried to start early, and it was, uh, it was uh, we had a good one, actually. It was a really good one. Uh, shout out to you guys for having me on and the Trophy Horse crew in general. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, man, it's been great. Uh, shout out to my wife, uh, my 10-year-old stepson, and the kid that hopefully shows up sometime within the next day. Maybe it'll be Steven's prediction. It will be. Uh, yeah, I hope so, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all my shout outs. All right, now that Alex is back, we'll go to Alex. Sorry, I didn't read your <laughs> going away message there. Uh, Alex, uh, dude. Uh, I forgot how efficient you are with the house. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't back in time. Uh, I want to give a shout out first and foremost, as always, to the listeners. Uh, without you all, Trophy Horrors, as well as the other PG podcast game stuff, and Nintendo Dual Screens would not be as awesome as they are. They would not be pushed as far as they are and as popular as they are. So we thank you all very much for being the fuel to the fire to all of these podcasts, not just Trophy Horrors. Uh, without you all, we could not do this. So thank you all very much for your ears every single week and your support, most importantly. Give a shout-out to the crew, the uh, the first time I've ever recorded with this crew, uh, Matt and Steven and Andy. Uh, it was a good show, guys. Um, enjoyed it. Thank you all for uh, cobbling together this episode of Trophy Horse. It's been kind of a difficult one for, for us to put together, but uh, I feel like it all turned out well in the end. So, uh, lastly, I want to give a shout-out to my girlfriend, Ashley. Uh, keep it short and sweet this week. I love you, honey, and uh, I'm so excited for the things that we are going to do this summer and in the future. And Andy. Ooh, thank you. A shout-out to to the NDS podcast crew, myself and Steven, who are already on the show. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> can, you, can you do that? Can you shout yourself out on the podcast? Absolutely. Shout out to us, guys. Shout out to us. Shout, shout out to uh, us. We're here right now. Leave it to the garbage uh, human to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm also a suck boy, so get it, get it right. Indeed. All right. <laughs> uh, shout out to Trophy Horrors and their awesome crew. I should be on the show more often. I do enjoy coming from time to time. And lastly, shout out to Tricky. You were not missed. <laughs> oh, oh, boo. Poor Tricky. Shots fired. I was to give you a, a meh, but you said, like, that you wanted to come back on the show. Like, you gave us a shout-out, and I was like, oh, meh, trophy horse, whatever. But you said too quickly, I should come back on the show because I like it, and I didn't want you to think that I didn't like you. So <laughs> I, oh, I my God. My meh. 
<laughs> and uh, as always, uh, shout out to uh, you guys for for pu- pu- putting this little show together. Um, like uh, Alex said, it was difficult getting this one going this week. A lot of conflicts, um, but we did get it out for you. So um, you're welcome, listener, not just Josh. And uh, yes, thank you very much for listening. Um, Tune in next week for uh, 349, which we that means we're just two away from 350. And I really hope whatever we have planned actually happens. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for listening, folks. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, this has been Trophy Horse episode 348. Um, uh, happy trophy hunting. And as always, please be excellent to each other. I hope it's Shuhei Yoshida. <laughs> The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.